Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of The Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, and I am here, as always, by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X, and I hope everyone is having a good weekend so far. Can't complain on this end. I think we're still tweaking the settings on the new microphone and the new, the fancy red box, whatever the hell that thing is. The preamp, yes, thank you, White by Malcolm X. The preamp, I think we were playing around with air mode on, on Wednesday's podcast. We had to do a little bit of tweaking in post because it sounded a little too airy, but uh, I think we're back to good. I'm hoping we're back to good. That air button is off, correct? Okay, just wanted to make sure. A few things real quick. If you want to get hold of me, you can reach me on my email, miller at millerfrostonline.com. I am obviously not on Twitter, and I was joking up, up until I would say today I was on Twitter, but I was not really on Twitter, but I'm officially off Twitter. And no, I wipe my Malcolm X. I did not get thrown off of Twitter again. I just was like, no, I'm just done with this. And, and Gab, I was on Gab as well. And I just was like, this is just too much of a dumpster fire for me on that website. And so I'm just kind of hoping that Parlor comes back online in the next, uh, next week or so, I think, as they said, by the end of the month. And I'm not really a big social media person in the first place. I think I've said I'm I'm on Facebook, but I never use it. And it might like all my settings are at like the the height of privacy for anything that Mark Zuckerberg does, but no one can find me on there. And I only have like a dozen friends, just people I it's hard to keep track of unless unless it's on Facebook. But I haven't logged in there in I don't know how many months. And Lord knows what is sitting there when I do log back in. I'm sure it's the same old crap from the same twelve people. But uh yeah, I, I, the only reason I got on Twitter last year anyway was just to kind of promote the show and, and get the, the name out there and the, and the podcast out there. But otherwise, that's just not my scene. So I'm, I'm not missing that all that much. I tell you what, dumpster fires, all of them. Anyway, let's go ahead and jump right in. We got a lot of stories and we want to get to all of them. And this is from The Blaze. And I hope all of you are sitting down because this is a sad one. Joe Exotic, who we know on this program as the Tiger Queen. Some of you know him as the Tiger King. I don't know why anyone would think he ain't a queen, but some of you do. Joe Exotic lashes out at Trump for refusing to pardon him. Says he was too innocent and too gay. And I won't argue with the latter. Joe Exotic lashed out at former President Donald Trump after he issued numerous pardons but didn't include the famous Tiger Queen. Joseph Maldonado Passage tweeted an angry missive denouncing Trump and his son, Donald Trump Jr., on Inauguration Day as the presidency was passed on to President Joe Biden. White boy Malcolm X, how does the Tiger Queen have a phone? (laughs) 
to be able to be tweeting like that. I didn't know he was on Twitter. I probably wouldn't have left if I had known that. I was too innocent and too gay to deserve a pardon from Trump. I only matter to Don Jr. when he needed to make a comment about me to boost his social media post, Maldonado Passage said. Boy, were we all stupid to believe he actually stood for equal justice. His corrupt friends all come first, he added. Wow. Now that's a little bitchy there, Tiger Queen. Settle down. Maldonado Passage sought a pardon from Trump and used social media to campaign for it. Again, how did this guy get on social media if he is in jail? And at one point gained the attention of Donald Trump Jr., who joked on a radio show that he might bring the cause up to his father. Praying hard for the 19th, Please keep asking Don Jr. to make sure that POTUS doesn't leave us behind in this mess and this slow justice system. Nearly three years now just to prove I'm innocent, he tweeted Sunday. The Tiger Queen turned on Trump and his son after the former president issued his list of pardons on his last day in office and didn't include Maldonado Passage. If he had obtained a pardon, and (laughs) listen to this white boy Malcolm X, his team had assembled a beauty crew and ordered a stretch limousine to whisk him away in style from a jail in Fort Worth, Texas. Can you can you imagine that task? Getting that old queen beautified. Bless their hearts if they had to deal with that. But thankfully, they did not. So folks, the Tiger Queen, she's still in jail. Oh well, sucks to be her. She shouldn't have done it. If you can't do the time, don't do the crime. This is from Ars Technica, and it's one of those millennial tech blogs. Home alarm tech backdoored security cameras to spy on customers having sex. I bet happy you were like looking at <laughs> looking at your in-home cameras going, who's watching me? A home security technician has admitted he repeatedly broke into cameras he installed and viewed customers engaging in sex and other intimate acts. Telesforo Aviles, a 35-year-old former employee of home and small office security company ADT, said that over a five-year period, he accessed the cameras of roughly 200 customer accounts on more than 9,600 occasions, all without the permission or knowledge of customers. He said he took note of homes with women he found attractive and then viewed their cameras for sexual gratification. And if you don't know what sexual gratification is, I am not going to explain it on this podcast. He said he watched nude women and couples as they had sex. I guess Telesfora was just a bit too cheap to pay for porn, which I think you can even get free online, but he didn't even want that. (laughs) He wanted his own stuff. Aviles made the admission Thursday in U.S. District Court for the District of Northern Texas, where he pleaded guilty to one count of computer fraud and one count of invasive visual recording, he faces a maximum of five years in prison. And if he had only been in Florida, it would just be a misdemeanor. Aviles told prosecutors that he routinely added his email address to the list of users authorized to access customers' ADT Pulse accounts, which allow customers to remotely connect to the ADT home security system so they can turn off or on lights, arm or disarm alarms, and view feeds from security cameras. In some cases, he told customers that he had to add himself temporarily so he could test the system. Other times, he added himself without their knowledge. In the aftermath of the breach discovery, ADT has been hit with at least two proposed class action lawsuits, one on behalf of ADT customers and the other on behalf of minors and others living inside the homes. A plaintiff in one of the suits was allegedly a teenager at the time that the breach occurred. 
ADT informed her family that the technician spied on her home almost 100 times according to the lawsuit. This guy, folks, man, now that, that is a special kind of creeper to hack into 200 customer accounts almost 10,000 times. And White Boy Malcolm X, I actually, I did the math here. And so I took five-year period and I took 9,600 times and I figured out that was about 1,920 times per year. And if you do that on a daily basis, five, just over five times a day. (laughs) Every day for five years, this guy was peeking in on people's houses and doing that for sexual gratification, watching watching those folks have sex. Ugh. And if you think that's the sickest story I have in this pile, you are wrong. I was just giving you a little bit of flavor for later. Hmm. This is a Breitbart story, and I think I only have like one or two race stories in the pile today. I just was like, like I told you folks, I could do race all day, every day, I could do an hour and a half, two hour podcast of just race stories, but they drive me nuts. So I'm only going to do a couple this time. NFL players accuse Americans of viewing black athletes as racial stereotypes in MLK Day video. And if you are a black athlete listening to this podcast, wondering about racial stereotypes or any stereotypes, the only one I'm thinking about has nothing to do with race, just has to do with the fact that you are a spoiled brat celebrity athlete. So let's find out a little bit more about this. The Martin Luther King Day video message delivered on NFL Network began with a celebration of the passion and strength of black men. However, before it was over, it accused Americans of viewing black athletes through racist stereotypes. The video opens with several minutes of various NFL players saying that when they look in the mirror, They see successful, strong, compassionate, and intelligent black men. But that is not all. They also see entertainers, athletes, lawyers, mayors, CEOs, and every manner of accomplished American. During the segment on occupations, the images of successful black CEOs, mayors, first responders, and the like flashed across the screen as the NFL players speak. Then the players ask a new question. But what do you see, America? An entertainer? An athlete? What else do you see? A gangbanger? A drug dealer? Well, if the shoe fits. (laughs) Who says I can't be those things? You or society, they angrily ask. This is an odd question to ask since they just spent a minute showing pictures of black men who have, indeed, achieved lofty goals in what these players are trying to intimate is an irredeemably racist America. Indeed, with blacks filling positions of leadership at every level of society, it doesn't appear that anyone at all is saying black men can't be successful. Hmm. Well, there you go, folks. A bunch of spoiled brat celebrity athletes are complaining again about systemic racism. Oh, poor princess. Poor princess. Poor princess athletes. Bless your hearts. I don't know about you, white boy Malcolm X, but... Those damn drama queens, and they are nothing but a bunch of damn drama queens. They are exhausting to me. Exhausting. Well, I have to say, though, now that I think about it, before I, before I flip the story over, they might have something to that white boy Malcolm X, given the stories that we have been reporting on over the last couple of weeks. So a couple of weeks ago, folks, we did have an article that accused the white folks in the LGBTQ plus community of being racist and not supporting their minority brethren. And then on Wednesday's show, we had a Vox article written by a hysterical 
white woman, a hysterical millennial white woman, who talked about white women being at the root of systemic racism as well because they had a seat at the table and they have done nothing, nothing but enable their man (laughs) to be a racist as well. So maybe they do have a, a point there. I don't know, but we'll see. This is from The Sun. And here's the headline. Model 24 dubbed Brooke Shields of Kuwait because of her looks faces trial for stalking and beating her ex-husband. <laughs> man, oh man, stalking and beating. Rowan bin Hussein, 24, who, folks, is apparently the Brooke Shields of Kuwait, is accused of assaulting Mohammed Youssef Migariaf in central London last June. And I don't know about you folks, but Mohammed must be the biggest <laughs> pansy boy out there if she is not just slapping him, she is beating him. He's <laughs> probably like, stop, stop. The former cosmopolitan Middle East star is also accused of damaging a 200-pound shirt belonging to the Libyan businessman who lets her beat on him. The influencer. So not only is she a cosmopolitan Middle Eastern star and the Brooke Shields of Kuwait folks, she is also an influencer who has been privately funding her defense, has denied assault by beating, stalking, and criminal damage through her legal team. The model who was referred... Wait, wait, Malcolm X, does she look anything like Brooke Shields? <laughs> Hell no, indeed. Folks, I don't know who was drinking when they wrote this article, but she looks nothing like Brooke Shields. The model, who was referred to in court as Ms. Abdullah, was unable to travel from Dubai to the UK to attend her plea hearing last month after she tested positive for COVID-19. Bin Hussein was excused from attending her latest case management hearing today at Westminster Magistrates Court. Bin Hussein has been ordered to abide by her bail conditions and not contact Mr. Megariff directly or indirectly or attend his home address. Her trial was fixed for May 25th at Westminster Magistrates Court. So, White Boy Malcolm X, we got to keep an eye on this thing. The influencer has a law degree from King's College and was dubbed the Brooke Shields of Kuwait in a 2018 magazine interview while living in in Los Angeles. And this, folks, I think is an insult to Brooke Shields, who probably got wind of this and was like, how the hell did I get dragged into this? This chick, this psycho chick that stalks and beats her ex-husband looks nothing like me, but... Her name is going to be stuck to this Rowan bin Hussein for for at least through, at least through May 25th. Reminds me of that Prince Harry story we had, and I can't stand that vapid ginger whatever millennial dope kid. But even I had to stick up for him because some guy that went to his wedding did something, and his name got dragged into it. I'm like, what the hell does Prince Harry have to do with it? Nothing but clickbait. So that's probably why they dug up this Brooke Shields of Kuwait nonsense in the sun. Anyway, done with her. Man, she's a tough chick. Or <laughs> he is a pansy boy, but she beats her men. This is from the Daily Caller, and here's the headline. Teen employee accused of stealing nearly one million from grocery store and using money on cars and guns. Now that is an industrious teen employee. And White Boy Malcolm X, did you know? I don't know if I told you this. My first job, my very first job ever in high school was a bag boy at a Winn Dixie grocery store. Yes, it's called Winn-Dixie. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I don't even know if they're still around. I started the day after my 15th birthday, and that was, what, 1985? Uh, 84, 85, I can't remember. That's how old I am. But I started there the day after my 15th birthday bagging groceries. And I'll tell you how long ago that was, folks. 
That was before plastic bags hit the scene the first time. So they'll be back. Don't worry about it, folks. They'll they'll forget about why paper bags were so, uh, they had to bring them back. But anyway, let's find out what's going on with this Georgia teenager. A Georgia teenager was arrested after allegedly stealing nearly $1 million from a grocery store where he worked over the span of two weeks, numerous sources reported. Holy crap! He stole a million bucks in two weeks. Trey Brown, 19, allegedly stole more than $980,000 from a Kroger store in Duluth, Georgia, over a period of two weeks in December and January, Gwinnett County Police said in a statement. And folks, if you don't know where Duluth, Georgia is, or Gwinnett County, or as we like to say, Gwinnetia, Gwinnett is northeast of Atlanta, outside the perimeter. So if you're driving up to, say, the upstate of South Carolina, it's right there. You're just going to hit it right after you get outside of the, the perimeter there in Hotlanta. Authorities believe Brown created more than 40 returns for non-existent items and put them on several credit cards. The returns range from $75 to over $87,000, and at the end of the two-week period, he managed to steal over $980,000 from Kroger. And White Boy Malcolm X, how do you put a return from a grocery store on a credit card for $87,000? God, man, that is a lot of whatever the hell they sell at Kroger that could add up to eighty-seven dollars Brown is reported to have worked at the fuel center of the store and stole the money while an employee whose responsibility was to track fraudulent transactions was on vacation for two weeks, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported. After noticing the fraudulent transactions, corporate employees, you could say that again, corporate employees contacted police, the police statement says. Brown used the money to buy two cars, because one, I guess, isn't enough for a 19-year-old, clothes, guns, and new shoes, according to police. Gwinnett Police Spokesman Captain Colin Flynn reportedly said that prior to his arrest, Brown had totaled a Chevy Camaro that he bought, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported. Police say a large sum of money was returned to Kroger after Brown's arrest, but it was unclear how much was recovered. So he bought a Chevy Camaro. <laughs> Man, Trey Brown got no taste in cars, I'll tell you that much. Two cars hmm, and guns. Only in, in Georgia. This is from Tal Road, and this is a second follow-up story about golfer Justin Thomas. Here's the headline. World number three golfer Justin Thomas says he'll undergo better person training program after using homophobic slur. And that homophobic slur, folks, he said the F word faggot. World number three Justin Thomas said he'll undergo a training program to become a better person after he responded to missing a putt at the Century Tournament of Champions in Hawaii by yelling the word faggot. Thomas was heard on his microphone and the slur broadcast on NBC. Thomas lost a sponsorship from Ralph Lauren following the homophobic outburst. Thomas told the AP, It's not a word I use. Well, yes, it is, Justin, because everyone heard you use it. But for some reason, it was in there, and that's what I'm trying to figure out, why it was in there. <laughs> it's been repressed. And like I said, it's going to be part of this process and training program, whatever I need to do, not only to prove to myself, but to prove to my sponsors and prove to the people who don't know who I am that that is indeed not the person I am. And can you imagine White Boy Malcolm X what the better person training and better person is in quotes. Can you imagine what that training is all about? And I only see queens with clipboards. <laughs> wow, Justin, welcome to better person training. I just, 
I just say it's just so wonderful to have you here, and I I understand understand your plight. So, the question we have as part of our better person training is, how much money do you plan to give to the human rights campaign and to Glad? And he'll be like, uh, fifty thousand dollars. Ah, Justin, I uh, I don't think that's gonna work. Maybe to each of them. Well. Let's see, Justin. Um, why don't you take that checkbook out and we'll see. I, I think you're getting there, but I just we're going to have to work on this. This is about you being a better person, and, and that involves a better check. <laughs> Justin, Justin, my friend. You know, just, just get the checkbook out, write the check, and call it a day because that's really all they want. You know, we have been talking a lot. Sweden and Denmark have been, have been in... The news and in this podcast because they've been doing all sorts of nutty. But now, folks, we are done with Sweden and we are done with Denmark and we are going to Norway. And how is this for a headline? Norwegian man wins $5,000 for peeing in his pants, says cash was seized. His cash prize went down the toilet. A college student in Norway peed his pants on camera to win a wacky $5,000 contest, but the money was seized by customs officials and he never saw a dime of it, he told the Post. And this is a New York Post story. It's wrong to take the money that I worked for, fumed Dan Holt. And I guess, I don't know if that's what I would call it, but I guess peeing in his pants is what he calls work. A 23-year-old from Haugesund. I got interrogated by police, but I can't take the blame for this. Holt first heard about the so-called 5,000 Challenge, held on, of course, Instagram by the Finnish sunglasses company No Pete in November, he said. The firm urged contestants to film themselves doing the most insane possible stunt, then say No Pete made me do it, and post the footage along with the company hashtag according to a post announcing the contest. I thought I'm going to give it a shot, Holt said, adding he needed the money. It sounded fun, and I like to push myself. And I'm just going to say right now, I don't care how much money they're offering, I am not going to publicly debase myself. <laughs> Especially if it involves peeing in my pants. What kind of nut comes up with that? To win, Holt dressed up as Santa Claus and took a bong rip of tobacco inside a local shopping mall, then vomited and rode his bike into an ice-cold river. Later, he shot footage of himself peeing his pants inside the mall as onlookers gawked. So, White Boy Malcolm X, I'm trying to digest this sentence. So, so what's this dope's name? Dan Holt. So, Dan Holt dresses up as Santa Claus. He goes to a shopping mall in Santa Claus. He takes a bong rip of tobacco in the mall and then threw up in the mall with the bong hit in his Santa Claus. Okay, and then he got on his bike, and then he rode into an ice-cold river, and I don't know if that involved the Santa Claus outfit as well. This article does not say. And then he goes back to the mall again, and then soils himself. <laughs> Pees in his pants in that that poor mall. <laughs> Can you imagine being in there, and you take your family, let's go to the mall, kids, and let's go do some shopping. And this nut job shows up as Santa Claus and throws up, and then the dope comes back, and he pees himself. <laughs> Like the crazy mall. Oh, my God. Remind me, White Boy Malcolm X, if I go to Norway, do not go to the mall. God knows what else is there. Everybody's jaws dropped, he said. People were like, what the F is going on? But the whole point was to do the most crazy possible thing. 
He posted the wild footage on Instagram and learned on January 5th that he'd won and would be getting cash sent from the company by mail. For dramatic effect, the firm stuffed the cash in a Bible and asked him to film himself opening it, Holt said. But the sketchy-looking package was seized days later by Norwegian Customs, and Holt was later questioned by Haugesson police for failing to declare a large sum of money, Holt said. No Pete quickly defended him, posting a photo of the cash-stuffed Bible on Instagram along with the caption, This is unfair, and unfair is in all caps. The company added, Our lawyers are already working on suing the Norwegian authorities. I didn't do anything illegal. I was just the winner of competition, he said. That's a lot of money to me. It would help me move forward in life. He added, I guess I now know I have to declare money, but that's probably the only lesson I learned. Doing the videos was still fun. Well, Dan, if that is your version of fun, man, oh man, those people over there have nothing better to do with their time. This is from the Wall Street Journal, and the headline is The Dangerous Denial of Sex. And I pulled this article. It's my one serious-ish article of the program. And because one of the things I saw on Twitter right before I logged off for good was because Joe Biden, creepy Uncle Joe, the hair sniffer, had signed that, um, what was it called, the Executive Order on Preventing and Combating Discrimination on the Basis of Gender Identity or Sexual Orientation, There was a lot of back and forth on Twitter, again, before I logged off for good, about that and how that impacts women. And there were a lot of women on there because what it does is basically says if you are a man who identifies as a woman that you now have to, if if these places are like a college campus is receiving federal funds, they have to accommodate you. So you get to join the women's volleyball team or the women's softball team because you identify as a woman. You get to go into women's locker room. You get to do all sorts of fun stuff. Because you, quote-unquote, identify as a woman. And there were a lot of women who were a little, naturally, I think, they were a little upset about this. And one of the things I saw on there, it's funny with the transgender community about how how angry they are. And they kept calling these women TERFs. And we've talked about that on this podcast before, about about these, their so-called, TERF is a, a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. And they call anyone who disagrees with the transgender agenda a turf so you could be a, a a noted feminist out there or you could be some housewife with a couple of kids at home in Connecticut and you are you're you're a turf no matter what and the, I tell you what the transgenders love to call names and they love to call women who disagree with this policy turfs and I tell you what though if you called them a tranny they would lose their minds you would they would go after you <laughs> With everything they got, if you called them a tranny, but you have to sit there and take it if they call you a turf. <laughs> They're like a like a bunch of spoiled children. And I'm not going to, this is a, actually a pretty long article. It's a really good article. I would recommend looking it up, but I'm just going to go ahead and touch on it just a little bit. Gender ideology harms women, gays, and especially feminine boys and masculine girls. Gender ideology can take on a comical character, as in a recent American Civil Liberties Union commentary objecting to sales tax on tampons and similar products while pondering, how can we recognize that barriers to menstrual access are a form of sex discrimination without erasing the lived experiences of trans men and non-binary people who menstruate as well as women who don't? Yes, folks, I'll just let you digest that for a second. Yet it's one thing to claim that a man can identify as a woman or vice versa. 
Increasingly, we see a dangerous and anti-scientific trend towards the outright denial of biological sex. The idea of two sexes is simplistic, an article in the scientific journal Nature declared in 2015. So this stuff has been going on for about six years now. Biologists now think there is a wider spectrum than that. A 2018 Scientific American piece asserted that biologists now think there is a larger spectrum than just binary female and male. And in October 2018, New York Times headline promised to explain why sex is not binary. And we folks have been talking on this program about the fact that there are seven genders. There are now seven, and actually, I misspoke. There are actually eight, because I kept forgetting to pull the article where I had all those listed, and I miscounted. There are actually eight genders in that article by Chad Felix Green, and they are, here are your eight gender choices, because two two is so passe. Male, female, transgender, agender, gender fluid, bigender, gender queer, and questioning... <laughs> So take your pick, folks. Take your picks. Change them up any day you want. So if you do gender fluid, you can go. You can rotate through the eight of them every hour on the air if you want. The argument is that because some people are intersex, they have developmental conditions resulting in ambiguous sex characteristics. The categories male and female exist on a spectrum and are therefore no more than social constructs. If male and female are merely arbitrary groupings, it follows that everyone, regardless of genetics or anatomy, should be free to choose to identify as male or female or to reject sex entirely in favor of a new bespoke gender identity. To characterize this line of reasoning as having no basis in reality would be an egregious understatement. It is false at every conceivable scale of resolution. Denying the reality of biological sex and supplanting it with subjective gender identity is not merely an eccentric academic theory. It raises serious human rights concerns for vulnerable groupings including women, homosexuals, and children. Women have fought hard for sex-based legal protections. Female-only spaces are necessary due to the pervasive threat of male violence and sexual assault. Separate sporting categories are also necessary to ensure that women and girls don't have to face competitors who have acquired the irreversible performance-enhancing effects conferred by male puberty. The different reproductive roles of males and females require laws to safeguard women from discrimination in the workplace and elsewhere. The falsehood that sex is rooted in subjective identity instead of objective biology renders all of these sex-based rights impossible to enforce. And this white boy Malcolm X is where you and I get into it. The denial of biological sex also erases homosexuality. Heavens, no white boy Malcolm X. That, that would suck. I say every day. I like to joke that I say every day. I thank God every day that I'm gay. (laughs) Oh, I hope that's not affected. As same-sex attraction is meaningless without the distinction between the sexes. Many activists now define homosexuality as attraction to the same gender identity rather than the same sex. So white boy Malcolm X. Mercy. We have some woman there standing in front of us going, I'm a man. And we're like, well, honey, I may be gay, but you ain't man enough for me. This view is at odds with the scientific understanding of human sexuality. Lesbians have been denounced as bigots for, and this is what I was just talking about, folks, calling them TERFs, for expressing a reluctance to date men who identify as women. The successful normalization of homosexuality could be undermined by miring in untenable ideology. Can you imagine being a lesbian? 
and some she-man walks up to you and goes, Hi, I'm a woman. I'm like, oh, oh that, that is not what I signed up for. Mercy. The time for politeness on this issue has passed. Biologists and medical professionals need to stand up for the empirical reality of biological sex. Well, good luck getting them to do that. When authoritative scientific institutions ignore or deny the empirical fact in the name of social accommodation, it is an egregious betrayal to the scientific community they represent. It undermines public trust in science, and it is dangerously harmful to those most vulnerable. Hmm. There you go, folks. Pick your gender. Pick it any time you want. Any day, all day. Who cares? You're not allowed to say anything. Or you're a turf or some sort of bigot. This is a Fox 11 LA story, and we are back in LA because I guess the orgies that we had been reporting on, that they were busting up the uh, the COVID orgies in LA, that wasn't enough. So here's the headline. LASD Super Spreader Task Force, which again, folks, was breaking up orgies, breaks up multiple stripper parties. Man, so it's not just one, folks. There are multiple stripper parties going on in LA. The underground party scene continues to rage across Los Angeles despite the pandemic. For the past several weeks, Fox 11 tagged along with Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department Super Spreader Task Force as they cracked down on these illegal events. And that's nothing but a bunch of Karens running around. You're not supposed to be out. Put your mask on. On Friday night, LASD responded to a hole-in-the-wall flower shop in the city of Bellflower, where a stripper party was reportedly taking place inside. As the task force broke the party up, a stream of partygoers began coming outside, including some women wearing fishnets and many others who appear to be simply wearing thongs, g-strings, or just in their bra and underwear. As the crowd left the flower shop, one of the women took the time to twerk in front of our Fox 11 cameras before being issued a citation. Dozens of others were brought outside and sat on a curb awaiting their citations and masks. Inside the flower shop, they were in excess of 50 partygoers, most of whom were not wearing masks, said LASD Captain Ed Wells. He is the head Karen, all of whom were arrested and issued a promise to appear. So white boy Malcolm X, if you go to an illegal stripper party in LA, you will get arrested. Damn. The night before that, in the City of Commerce, we were embedded with LASD's Super Spreader Task Force once again as they headed to a massive warehouse party with more strippers. White boy Malcolm X, how many strippers are there in LA? My God, every time you turn around, there are more strippers. With no answer after several minutes of banging on the door, LASD made the following announcement. This is the LA County Sheriff's Department. You need to open the door and step outside. If you do not, Karen's going to be mad. You will be subject to arrest. After deputies threatened to tow the vehicles, so even that, they're knocking on the door, come on guys, let us come in now, come on. I'm going to arrest you if you don't let us in. And they didn't let him in. So they're like, okay, now we're going to tow your cars. And they, the party goers started to stream outside. So that's the threat that, that works. LASD estimates about 200 people were inside and many seemed to want to keep partying. You better take me off that. My grandma would be very upset, someone told the Fox 11 crews. Inside the warehouse was a desk distributor business. A row of desks had been converted into a stage fixed with a stripper pole and a full DJ booth and a bar had been set up. High heels were left in a hurry, a bra was tossed on the floor, and deputies recovered a list for bottle service. Tonight's party was an event where the partygoers had to pay a promoter in order to gain entrance to the party, Captain Wells said. 
Continuing with our zero-tolerance policy, we issued citations to all the partygoers. You go get them, Captain Karen. And on another night, Fox 11 was with LASD Super Spreader Task Force in downtown LA's Arts District as they broke up another party. My God. Again, I asked the question, how many strippers are in LA? Because they are all over the place. You people out in LA, you need to settle down. COVID Karen is going to get you no matter what. You're going to get your citation and you're going to be known for being arrested for going to an illegal stripper party. Speaking of Twitter, I tell you what, they will throw a conservative off of Twitter for the dumbest of reasons. Now, you can be the Ayatollah of Iran and you can threaten to eliminate Israel off the face of the earth, killing millions of Jews and Twitter will that's perfectly fine with Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Okay, that doesn't violate any of our policies. And apparently, that's not all. Twitter refused to remove child porn because it didn't violate policies. Lawsuit. So, you can threaten to kill Jews or put kitty porn on Twitter, and that is okay with Twitter. <laughs> that company... Led by frickin' Hobo Jack. That is a dumpster fire mess of a company. Twitter refused to take down widely shared pornographic images and videos of a teenage sex trafficking victim because an investigation didn't find a violation of the company's policies, a scathing lawsuit alleges. And if I know Twitter, like I think I know Twitter, it's probably written into their company policies about them getting to enjoy child porn and everyone else who can find it. The federal suit filed Wednesday by the victim and his mother in the Northern District of California alleges Twitter made money off the clips, which showed a 13-year-old engaged in sex acts and are a form of child sexual abuse material or child porn, the suit states. The teen, who is now 17 and lives in Florida, is identified only as John Doe and was between 13 and 14 years old when the sex traffickers, posing as a 16-year-old female classmate, started chatting with him on Snapchat, the suit alleges. Doe and the traffickers exchanged nude photos before the conversation turned to blackmail. If the teen didn't share more sexually graphic photos and videos, the explicit material he'd already sent would be shared with his parents, coach, pastor, and others, the suit states. Doe, acting under duress, initially complied and sent videos of himself performing sex acts and was also told to include another child in his videos, which he did, the suit claims. Eventually, Doe blocked the traffickers and they stopped harassing him, but at some point in 2019, the video surfaced on Twitter under two accounts that were known to share child sexual abuse material, court papers allege. Over the next month, the videos would be reported to Twitter at least three times, first on December 25, 2019, but the tech giant failed to do anything about it until a federal law enforcement officer got involved, the suit states. While Doe's parents contacted the school and made police reports, he filed a complaint with Twitter saying there were two tweets depicting child pornography of himself and they needed to be removed because they were illegal, harmful, and were violation of the site's policies. Around the same time, Doe's mother filed two complaints to Twitter reporting the same material and for a week she also received no response, the suit states. Finally, on January 28th, Twitter replied to Doe and said they wouldn't be taking down the material which had already racked up over 167,000 views and 2,223 retweets, the suit states. So 2,223 perverts retweeted that garbage. They know who every single one of them is. They got 
a list of a couple thousand child predators. Is anything being done? No. And this is from Twitter. Thanks for reaching out. We've reviewed the content. I bet you sick folks did. And didn't, I almost said the other word, sorry. And didn't find a violation of our policy, so no action will be taken at this time, the response reads. If you believe there's a potential copyright infringement, please start a new report. If the content is hosted on a third-party website, you'll need to contact the website support team to report it. Your safety is the most important thing. And if you believe you are in danger, we encourage you to contact your local authorities. (laughs) That... That is Twitter for you. I'll tell you what. Those uh, those pansy-ass pajama boys that work over there, they probably like watching it. They're probably the 2,223 retweets. We're all Twitter employees to each other. Sick bastards. Man. Man, oh man. So there's Twitter. Threaten to kill Jews or post kitty porn, and you are good to go on their, their website. This is from the Post Millennial. And here's this headline. Nearly half of Portland Antifa Inauguration Day riot arrestees were arrested at riots last year. And this is from Andy Ngo, who has been doing some absolutely amazing reporting out there, despite I don't know how many death threats this poor guy gets. And he published a book about all of this, and they've been rioting at the bookstore (laughs) or protesting enough at the bookstore that they um, the bookstore closed. They're like, okay, we're not. We're just not going to bother with this for right now. But he's done some amazing reporting, and and this continues that. Many of the suspects charged at the Inauguration Day Black Lives Matter Antifa riots in Portland, Oregon on Wednesday were previously arrested and released at other riots through 2020. On January 20th, BLM Antifa rioted in Portland. I thought, White Boy Malcolm X, we had that article that BLM was trying to get a divorce from Antifa, but I guess they made up, they kissed and made up, and uh, they're back in... (laughs) Like, let's go riot together in coordination with other pre-announced Antifa-themed violent protests in Seattle and Denver. Around 150 Antifa dressed in black first rallied in the afternoon at Revolution Hall in southeast Portland behind banners that read, We don't want Biden. We want revenge. We are ungovernable and a new world from the ashes. Antifa then marched unimpeded to the headquarters of the Democratic Party of Oregon, where they proceeded to smash windows one by one using hammers, batons, and other tools. They then pulled dumpsters into the street and started a fire. That, dumpsters on fire, that is apropos of the day. Responding Portland police officers made eight arrests and confiscated homemade incendiary devices, knives, batons, a crowbar, and pepper spray. Man. Though the mob of Antifa quickly dispersed into the neighborhood around the Democratic headquarters, they later regrouped in southwest Portland around 8 p.m. to launch an attack on the local Immigration and Customs Enforcement Facility, a building they have rioted at for nearly five months. People in the crowds carried shields, umbrellas, ASP, and PR-24 batons, and picked up rocks on their way, reads a press release from the Portland police. Many people wore gas masks and helmets. Federal officers from the Department of Homeland Security responded promptly to Antifa by using flashbangs and tear gas. Ooh, creepy Uncle Joe is not going to like that. They were aided by Portland police who made additional arrests. They confiscated guns, batons, rocks, fireworks, a knife, and other weapons from Antifa. On Thursday night, the following day, a small group of Antifa returned to the Portland ICE facility for another violent protest that led to more arrests. 
And Andy actually put in this article. This article is pretty long, folks. But he actually listed all these dopes that got arrested. And White Boy Malcolm X, what do you see there? Very good, sir. That's true. Oh, well, you're almost right. White Boy Malcolm X was like, all white people. <laughs> yes. Well, almost all white people. It's all white kids. And there's one black guy. And there's one... Well, if you are a snooty white liberal, there is one Latinx in the group. <laughs> and they're all like, they're from 18 all the way to, well, I guess there's one. Greg Ian Tully is 44. So he is on the cusp of being Gen X, but I don't want to, I don't want him in my tribe. So I'm going to throw him into a, as an older millennial. So he was charged with felony riot, reckless endangerment, attempted assault of an officer and second degree disorderly conduct. Tully was immediately released without bail from jail and had his charges dropped. Of course, listen to this. Greg Ian Tully, who is a dopey middle-aged white guy, is the executive director of the Portland-based nonprofit Pan-African Sanctuary Alliance. So, uh, folks, he probably identifies as, as black. So maybe there were two black people that were arrested. One is a real African-American and the other one's just a fake one. You know, I, folks, I have just, it's been quiet, I have to say. It has been really quiet in the news lately on a certain front that we have been tackling here on the Miller Frost Show. And for a while there, it was, I think, White Boy Malcolm X, it was pretty much every week, week after week after week. And I figured, hmm, something's going on because all of a sudden it got real quiet. And I figured, I assumed it was because of, the holiday season, so all the kids are out of school. <laughs> you folks know where I'm going with this now. All the kids are out of school, and I'm like, okay, I guess what they're waiting for, they're waiting to pounce until the kids get back in school. And pounce, pounce they did. And this is from the Arkansas Gazette. Report, three male teens were sex abuse victims of former Osceola teacher. And this, I guess, happened last fall. But with the holidays, it didn't get out until this month. Three male students. So this teacher, white boy Malcolm X, one, wasn't good enough for her. Two, wasn't good enough for her. She had to do three of these kids. Three male students have been identified as sex abuse victims of a former Osceola high school teacher, according to an investigative report released by the Osceola Police Department on Friday. The report states that investigators had interviewed three male Osceola High School students, two of whom are 17 years old and one of whom is 18 years old, who all said they had sexual contact with Nicole Winberry, 28, of Paragould. The teens were interviewed by investigators after the state child abuse hotline received a tip last Friday that an Osceola High School staff member had performed oral sex on a 17-year-old male student, according to the report. One of the students described two separate acts of sexual abuse, the report states. Who knew, white boy Malcolm X, that blowing a... Not that I would do it, that, folks. That is not my scene. I've always said you never get a boy to do a man's job. But who knew that giving a 17-year-old or an 18-year-old a blowjob was considered sex abuse? I bet the kids didn't think that, but someone did. In a phone call with Arkansas Online, Second Judicial Prosecuting Attorney Scott Ellington said that the purported sexual conduct occurred sometime from the last week of November to the first three weeks of December. So she was getting it getting it before the holiday break to tide her over. That's probably why she did three of them. 
Ellington said the three male teens were students in Winbury's math class. Damn, white boy Malcolm X. That chick, that chick is like walking up and down the aisles going, I'll take that one, and I'll take that one, and I'll take that one. <laughs> she couldn't spread them out. She did them all in one class. And added that a school staff member had sent a tip to the hotline. She probably wanted to do the kids and got beat to the punch by Nicole Winbury, so she snitched her out. Winberry has been charged in four counts of first-degree sexual assault, a Class A felony that is punishable by up to 30 years in prison and carries a $15,000 fine, Ellington said. So she, white boy Malcolm X, for giving three teenagers a couple of blowjobs, may spend 30 years in prison in an Arkansas state prison. Man, folks, some of these teachers just get off with a slap on the wrist. They get off with probation. And this chick, this is another one that's going to jail for 30 years. Three boys in one class. Man, what have I told you, ladies? Settle down out there. I'm surprised that the 18-year-old, I figured that would be perfectly legal because I guess that would be the normal age of consent. But the 17-year-old's gone. Couple of blowjobs, 30 years in jail. This is from the Daily Star. Satanist sex robots and vampire dolls hailed perfect by AI customers. And if you are a school teacher out there and you want to bang a 17-year-old boy, might I suggest a satanic sex robot instead? <laughs> it might cost you a little bit of money, but it ain't going to cost you 30 years in jail. Sex robot customers are requesting Satanist and vampire models to satisfy their dark fantasies. Earlier this week, a real doll rep who goes by the pseudonym Brick Dollbanger, that's it, white boy Malcolm X, Brick Dollbanger, shared pictures of some of the company's models. Mr. Dollbanger shared pictures of some of his dolls. In one shot, a lifelike doll called Gale is visible with lip piercings along with pentagram and skull tattoos. So she's a classy chick. Social media users were captivated by the design with one responding, I need a Satanist sex doll since I am one too. <laughs> she looks perfect for me. No doubt this guy lives in his parents' basement and is a virgin to anything but his right hand and so now he wants a sex doll. In another picture, a nightmare model called Kitty poses with a Chucky doll made famous in the 1980s horror films. One Instagram user said, I love demon vampire dolls. So hot. Bizarrely, it is not the first time that sex dolls have been linked with devil worshippers. The Church of Satan. So this white boy Malcolm X, God, this is our second podcast in a row, folks, where the Church of Satan has come up. And if you think this is the last article involving the Church of Satan, just you wait about 10 minutes. We got more. But anyway, the Church of Satan's founder, Anton Lavey, predicted the existence of sex robots more than two decades ago and recommended the use of humanoids to channel darker impulses. High Priest Magus Peter H. Gilmore, and he was in our last our last show in that article about the, uh, the witchcraft district, that house burning down in the witchcraft district of Poughkeepsie, New York. And he lived down the street from there, and he was not happy with that, and he was going to put a, a hex on someone who did it. But we'll get to that in about 10 minutes. Anyway, let's pick that back up. High Priest Magus Peter H. Gilmore previously told Metro.UK, Anton LaVey promoted the idea of artificial human companions as a mean for people to exercise sexual or other drives with a device that might gratify their fantasies without having to involve other human beings, which is perfect. Perfect for the Pajama Boy set and all those, 
those virgins at Twitter, they can, uh, well, they're not watching child porn on the website. They can get one of these uh, satanic sex robots to, to lose their virginities to. This would permit complete control over the details of the fantasy. Now that robotics is advancing, it seems that this field of endeavor is seeing new activity. The Church of Satan doesn't involve itself in these projects. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm talking about them again. As our purpose is education regarding the religion and philosophy of Satanism, though some of our members find this to be a personal interest and are involved, though they wouldn't necessarily reveal their affiliation as it might compromise their ability to broadly market successful products to a mass audience. Real Doll, based in San Marcos, California, utilizes AI technology to produce some of the most realistic sex dolls in the world. Earlier this month, one of its employees was photographed working on new heads and pictures that offer a glimpse inside the company's factory. In one, four disembodied heads are visible along with synthetic hair, eyeballs, and a blowtorch. Mr. Dollbanger earlier shared a video of a robot they designed. The doll, replete with blonde hair and red dress, discussed her time with Brick in the footage. She said, and this, folks, is a quote from the sex doll. I'm having so much fun here with Brick. We have sex twice a day, and he does all the nasty things I love so much. $10, white boy Malcolm X. $10 that Brick Dollbanger is a virgin with a real woman. (laughs) Enough of that crap. Jeez. I Well, let's see. How many more stories do I have? Oh, okay. I got two more stories, and then we're going to go back to the church scene. (laughs) Because two stories in two podcasts isn't enough, folks. I need to do three of them. Just like a high school teacher in her math class. <laughs> this is from Collider, and here's the headline. New Willy Wonka movie lands release date. Major young stars eyed for role. For nearly five years, Warner Brothers has been developing a new Willy Wonka movie that will explore the character's earlier days. So we got a Willy Wonka prequel coming out, folks before he became the King of Candy, and today the studio announced it will release Wonka on March 17, 2023. Back in 2018, Collider reported that Ryan Gosling, Donald Glover, who I've never heard of, and Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller, hmm, White by Malcolm X, if you folks don't know who that is, that is, we know him as the Speed Queen here on the Miller Frost Show. <laughs> he plays the Flash in the uh, DC Comics, you know, Justice League movies, but that little, uh, emaciated, uh, bi-gendered little, I don't know what gender he is. I don't know what his pronouns are, but he's a he's an odd duck, if you ask me. We're being eye to star, but those names have fallen off by the wayside since then. Lately, sources say that Warners has its eye on other time. Holland or, white boy Malcolm X, Timothy Chalamet, to play the eccentric confectioner. Huh. Yes, of course, I picked this article just to- just so I could say, Timothy Chalamet. Let's find out what's going on with these two. Holland is currently 24 years old, while Chalamet just turned 25. And not only will they be competing for roles for years to come, but they are two of Hollywood's most recognizable and talented leading men under 30. While it's unclear whether Holland or Chalamet are actively pursuing this part, it's easy to see Chalamet as a younger version of Johnny Depp's take on Wonka, whereas Holland is more of a song-and-dance man in the vein of a young Gene Wilder. And what the hell, white boy Malcolm X? I do not see Tom Holland. I see him doing lots of things, but a song-and-dance man, I do not 
Is that like a covert way of calling him a queen? <laughs> I'm not repeating that. Do you think... Okay, wipe my microphone. I got a question for you. Who would you rather do? Tom Holland or Timothy Chalamet? Tom Holland. Hmm. You like... He looks like he's 12, 12 years old. You should be a school teacher. I don't know. God. Huh? Uh, um... Neither. I always say you never get a boy to do a man's job. They both look like they're 12. I'm like, no, neither of them. Mm-mm. Ryan Gosling. I'll go with Ryan Gosling. I get, go back to that. Anyway, picking back up. To be clear, neither has been offered the role of Wonka, but let's be honest, there are only so many young actors Warner Brothers would agree to finance this film with, as I'd imagine they'd wanted to spark a franchise. So you could have many, many, many Wonka prequels. With either Song and Dance Man, Tom Holland, or Timothy Chalamet. There you go. I'm not going to watch it no matter who's in it. This is from Denver 7 ABC. It's out of our former home, White Boy Malcolm X of Denver. And here's the headline. Affidavit. Baggage claim sticker led police to suspect in homicide of victim found in suitcases. The man arrested in connection with a homicide involving human remains discovered in suitcases was first linked to the case by baggage claim stickers, according to an arrest affidavit obtained by Denver 7. Benjamin Satterwaith, 28, was charged Tuesday with the murder of 33-year-old Joshua Lockhart, whose dismembered remains were found in two suitcases in the 1700 block of South Java Way in Denver by city employees on December 29th. As investigators were processing the scene, police noticed a United Airlines baggage claim sticker on one of the purple suitcases with the name Satterwaith and Den. And that, folks, if you don't know, is the airport code for Denver International Airport. This information eventually led authorities to the suspect who was arrested on January 8th. During the investigation, police responded to a possible overdose death at Satterwaith's apartment on New Year's Day. When officers arrived, they discovered a deceased person who died from a possible overdose lying next to Satterwaith, who was unconscious and possibly experiencing an overdose episode, according to the affidavit. Satterwaith was taken to Swedish Memorial Center, where police obtained fingerprints. Meanwhile, investigators obtained a search warrant and inside the suspect's home collected evidence, which included a suitcase that matched the one found at the scene, and through the use of luminol, an excessive amount of blood on a couch, in the bathroom, and in the bathtub court records state. Police wrote in an affidavit that they also recovered a bloody saw blade from the apartment, which surveillance video allegedly shows Satterwaith purchasing from (laughs) a Walmart, of course a Walmart, on December 27th. So, White Boy Malcolm X, if I understand this correctly, without reading the rest of the story, this dope Benjamin Satterwaith kills someone, goes to Walmart, gets a saw, saws him up, sticks him in a couple of his own suitcases because he left one behind that matched the set. So he has a set of suitcases. He only used a couple of them. And the stupid idiot left his luggage tag on the suitcase when he dumped the bodies. <laughs> not the smartest, not the smartest criminal author. So if you do decide to murder and dismember, do not use your own luggage. And if you do use your own luggage, do not leave your luggage tag on it. So I have been promising this story for the last couple of minutes. This is from Queerty, and we are back dealing with the Church of Satan. And this is actually a follow-up story, folks. And on Wednesday's podcast, we talked about a home in the Witchcraft District of Poughkeepsie, New York. 
being burned to the ground and it was arson. They have someone on camera. And at the time, my theory was it was Jesus who snuck up and burned the Satanist home down. And they were going to hex him. And they were all pissed off about this house being burned down. And I was like, well, it could be Jesus. So we don't want to hex Jesus. But anyway, that's what they were planning on doing. But now we have a little bit more of the story because during the story on Wednesday, we reported that two people were residents of the home and they managed to escape the fire, but they didn't say anything about who those folks were. But now we know. And again, this is an article from Queerty and White Boy Malcolm X. Listen to this headline. Adult performer Matthew Camp's home destroyed in horrific arson attack. So yes, folks, a gay porn star was living in the witch home, the Satanist home, when the fire was started by, allegedly, by Jesus. The home of adult performer and model. So White Boy Malcolm X, he doesn't just have sex with other men on camera for money. He also does a little bit of modeling. Matthew Camp has been destroyed in a horrific fire. The house is at 27 South Clinton Street, Poughkeepsie, in Upper New York State. Again, it is in the Witchcraft District. The fire took place around 5 a.m. last Thursday. Over the weekend, local media reported on the fire at the historic building. However, it was only when Camp 36. So this adult performer and model white boy Malcolm X is about middle age. Man, that queen has got to (laughs) be... I hate to say it, but that queen's got to be worn out. 36 years old and is still an adult performer. Shared photos. Anyway, he shared photos to his social media yesterday that most people realized it was his home. On Instagram, he posted the following message along with an image of the inferno that engulfed his home. January 14th, 2021, an arsonist. Again, we we theorize here on the Miller France show that could be Jesus. Poured gasoline on the... And why? who could blame Jesus for burning down a Satan's home? It's like, I'll get you, Satan. An arsonist poured gasoline on the front porch of my home and set it on fire in an apparent hate crime. I was asleep inside. I am alive to face this person one day, but everything I have ever owned is gone. Share this story because queer people are still under attack all over the world. Our voices will not be silenced. Right now, I'm just living day to day trying to piece together what's left. If you are able to help, there's a link in my bio. Thank you for the love and support and continued fight to help keep our queer families safe. His bio links to a GoFundMe site set up yesterday, which states... In the early morning of so you white boy Michael, you can go you can go to this thirty six year old adult performer and models GoFundMe site and give him some cash. In the early morning of January fourteenth, twenty twenty one, Matthew Camp's home shared with his friend Six Carter was targeted in an apparent hate crime where an unknown person poured gasoline on the front porch, creating an explosion that woke Matthew up, giving him moments to get himself and roommate out to safety. The entire home eventually burned for three-plus hours, leaving no personal possessions salvageable inside. Camera footage caught the attack, and the perpetrator is being sought for attempted murder by the authorities. At the time of writing, the GoFundMe has raised over $73,000 of a $60,000 goal. A GoFundMe has also been set up to help roommate Six Carter cover the costs of possessions lost. This has raised about (laughs) $4,000. Man, poor Six Carter, folks. You cheap bastards. You're giving all the money to the middle-aged adult performer and model and his friend, his roommate. You're only giving four grand to God. <laughs> Guy has got to have low self-esteem after that. He's watching his buddy roll in the bank. And he's like, well, I just got $4,000. And to finish this up, 
Camp and Carter together host the Happy Campers podcast. Wipe by Malcolm X. We're going to have to listen to that. Camp, who only featured in the recent reality TV show Slag Wars, has built a large following for his adult content on OnlyFans. Good God. And also owns the clothing brand Daddy Couture. <laughs> man. Oh, man. I'm just curious, Wipe by Malcolm X, how they know it's a hate crime. How do they know? That someone didn't set the house on fire just because they thought he was an asshole and wanted to burn his house down. How do they know someone didn't set the house on fire just just for the hell of it because they just saw that house and go, I'll burn this house down. It could be any house. I love how they figure that stuff out. So there you go, folks. You can see Matthew Camp and his friend Six Carter on their Happy Campers podcast. And please, if you're going to give money, you need to help Six Carter. He's only got like four grand. You need to help him out. Unless this stuff is only worth four grand, in which case he's good. But in any case, probably should get him a little bit more money there. We're down to two stories, White Boy Malcolm X. And here's this one. New York City subway perv arrested again, accused of masturbating on train. A subway perv who allegedly masturbated in front of a woman aboard a Queen's train was arrested last week, police announced Wednesday. Fanu Kemrazaman, 30, and Fanu is his first name, F-N-U, allegedly touched himself on a northbound E-train as it was arriving at the Court Square subway station on January 5th, authorities said. The woman had snapped a photo of the sicko and reported him to police. Kemrazaman was charged with public lewdness. So white boy Malcolm X, let me understand this right. Fanu Kemruzaman was on a northbound E-train and he was defiling himself in front of this woman and she took her camera out while he's doing that and took a picture for herself. She's like, I want to get this for my memory book. So she got a snap of that and turned him into Popo. The incident from earlier this month is not the first time Kemruzaman had been accused of a sex crime on the subway in Queens. So this Fanu here, he likes to defile himself on the train. In August 2017, he was charged with forcible touching and sex abuse for allegedly exposing himself and rubbing his genitals on a 36-year-old off-duty female cop on the 7 train in Sunnyside. Mercy, this guy. Fanu, you need to find a better fetish. (laughs) And that's got to be the sexual fetish, folks. The train has got to be the turn-on because I figure he could do that. Whatever he's doing there, he could do that in the privacy of his own home or the privacy of his mother's basement because he sounds like the type. But he reminds me of White Boy Malcolm X. We had a story, folks, I think a couple months ago where there was like this teenage, like 19 or 20-year-old boy and uh, he, or young man, whatever, and he liked to get dressed up. They caught him, they arrested him, and he was in like fishnet stockings and he had a bunch of sex toys with him. And he was at an auto dealership. And I said, well, you know, you can get dressed up in the fishnet stockings and you can have the sex toys. You could do that anywhere. But he chose the auto dealership. So the auto dealership is the outlier there. And that must be the sexual fetish is to, to defile yourself into whatever yourself with sex toys <laughs> in your fishnet stockings around a bunch of new cars. <laughs> so I'm assuming that Fanu likes the trains and the trains get them off. <laughs> oh, God. Creepy, creepy, creepy. You folks in New York, man, the COVID is really driving y'all just nutty six ways to Sunday. So here is our smoking gun story. And what I did not tell you at the beginning of the podcast, White Boy Malcolm X, normally, folks, we do gay at the front and smoking gun at the back. And we did. At the beginning, we did our story on the Tiger Queen. And this is our smoking gun story. But there's a twist with this one, White Boy Malcolm X. And the twist is 
You got a gay story at the back as well, because this, folks, this smoking gun story is is gay. And here's the headline. Cops, couple tangled over testicle jive. Man, 46, busted for domestic violence against his husband. The dispute started with an impolitic remark about a lone testicle record show. Curtis McCoy, 46, and his husband of 10 years got into an argument late Sunday evening that escalated since they had been drinking alcohol, according to (laughs) South Carolina police. Of course, South Carolina. This would probably be a really good Florida story, but South Carolina, I think, is apropos as well, and I would just go ahead and confess. That is my home state, and I can totally see this. The couple who lived in Myrtle Beach. (laughs) Myrtle Beach, what a freaking hellhole that is. Man, oh man. We're arguing when McCoy allegedly brought up how the victim only has one testicle, which caused the victim to get upset. As the dispute continued, the victim pointed his finger at McCoy and yelled back at his spouse, cop say. McCoy allegedly grabbed his husband's finger and twisted it, causing him pain. So white boy Malcolm X, these two have been married. Curtis and the husband have been married for 10 years. So this lone testicle on the on the husband is probably not a new thing, but apparently it was a thing when they got drunk in Myrtle Beach. It became the thing to talk about, and he, Curtis was making comments about it, and the husband pointed his finger at him, probably like, you don't talk to me like that. And Curtis grabbed the guy's finger and twisted it, and then I, somehow the popo got involved. After initially denying to police that he had touched his spouse, so probably the spouse picked up the phone and tattletailed, McCoy reportedly said, I only grabbed his finger and twisted it when he pointed it at me. He added that the couple learned their lesson from the last time they both got arrested for domestic violence. (laughs) So these two queens in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, this is not their first rodeo beating each other up. McCoy was arrested for domestic violence and booked into the local jail. Can you imagine the Myrtle Beach jail? Probably full of drunks on the misdemeanor count. So yes, this totally could be a Florida story, folks, because everything in Florida is a misdemeanor and apparently in South Carolina as well. He was released from custody yesterday after posting a $2,120 personal recognizance bond. McCoy's rap sheet, because this queen in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, like I said, this ain't her first time at the rodeo, includes convictions for shoplifting, disorderly conduct, assault and battery, larceny, receiving stolen goods, and obtaining property under false pretenses. Man, oh man, that queen, she got herself quite the active criminal life. Anyway, we are done. I cannot top that that story. So we are done for today. Hey folks, thank you so much for stopping by the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, here as always with White Boy Malcolm X. Remember, again, you can reach me on my email, miller at millerfrostonline.com. And if and when Parlor comes back on, I am there at Miller Frost, but we'll see, because like I said earlier in the podcast, I am not the biggest fan of social media as it is. So have a great, we're back on Wednesday, correct? Yes, we are back on Wednesday. So in the meantime, have a great rest of your weekend, a great start to your week, and we'll see you back here in a couple days. Take care. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.